Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We left off in John seven fourteen. It's quite an endeavor, actually. I thought about this this morning to go through the Bible as a Bible study and then put it on any kind of podcast or radio or whatever because people aren't in the room and, and we're just depending on the Holy Spirit to really speak to to everyone the way that, that he's speaking to us. And that's what we're trusting this morning. And I'm glad that we prayed that in our prayer. Um, there's going to be a little bit more reading, but I mean, it's so easy to kind of think, oh, I can just memorize scriptures or I can just kind of pick and choose what I like about the Bible. But it's 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 really important that we like to go through the Bible. I mean, truly go and read. And most importantly to me is to get to know Jesus. And you get to know Jesus by what he does and what he says and not really... I don't want to get to know him by what somebody else says he does and says, you know. I've actually gotten to know him um, or had a false picture of him in the past by just listening to others. And so I am, I just think it's so important that we know him and we know him through his word. So I'm going to start with John seven fourteen. But when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The Jews were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? Now, you remember that the, all the, the Jewish young boys were educated somewhat in the temple. But Jesus then went on to be educated as a carpenter. So they were saying he's educated as if he was a Pharisee or a Sadducee or, a, you know, someone that's an, a ruler in the temple, and it's, that's all he does. So they're in shock. And John seven sixteen. so Jesus answered and said, My teaching's not mine, but him who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching and whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching and whether or not it is of God or whether I speak from myself. That is so huge. I said that twice on purpose because the word do anyone is willing to do his will it doesn't say if anyone is willing to know his will if anyone's willing to know his word then they will know it whether or not it's god no plenty of people knew his word knew the old testament knew the Septuagint, knew all the the prophecies and and yet they didn't recognize that this was God's son. And he's saying that if you do, not what you knew, but what you do. And, and that's what's important. And we need to remember that in our lives, that it's not just I'm hearing the word or I'm confessing the word. Or this morning I was, singing, I was listening to praise music. But that I do the word that I do the word to my family, that I do the word, do what Jesus would do, you know, even with my, or especially with my husband. 
in, um, in all things, in all ways, with another friend, with, with any situation. Um, and so we need to do, and sometimes people don't put enough emphasis on, they say, well, we're human beings, not human doings. And that's true, but God is saying, if you don't, it's, it's much like what Peter said, if, if you... If you don't have faith with works, then there's no faith, really. That's what Peter said, okay? So if you don't do what you say you believe, it doesn't count because then you really didn't believe it, you know? If, if, I, if I knew that there was a big giant rattlesnake in the middle of this room and I just let you all go through it, even though I knew it, you wouldn't be very convinced that I knew it. I mean, we sometimes, even in that way, need to warn people of the truth, or with the truth, or gently with love, you know. Um, No, it's not of different ways to heaven, but Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he said. And they can say, well... Where did you get that? And you can say, well, from the Bible. So don't get mad at me. It was written a long time ago, <laughs> you know. And just really go on through. John seven eighteen says, He who speaks for himself seeks his own glory. He who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true. But there is no unrighteousness in him. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? And the crowd answered, you have a demon who seeks to kill you. Now, I want you to understand this crowd is a mix of like um, people who thought or think that he could be the Messiah. And then the, the people from the Sanhedrin from the temple that don't want him to interact with the people. And this is the very time where everyone's come together from different towns all over the place. And so, it, 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 it's a, there's a lot of confusion going on. And you just got to imagine it in your mind. You know, Jesus is speaking in the temple because he is saying who he is outright to, that's about as many people as you could congregate at that time. Um, and he is having, there's all these arguments being you know, first of all, people going, who is he? And then other people going, he's the Messiah. And then other people going, you know, he has a devil. And then other people. So there's a lot of confusion. Jesus answered them, I did one deed and you all marvel. Of course, we know that was the bread and the fish and dividing that. And he recognizes, I'm sure, a lot of people that were there and saw how he multiplied the bread and the fish. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it's from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a baby boy. If a baby boy receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? And he's speaking of also the miracles of making men, the blind man, well on the Sabbath. Wasn't that the miracle? The hand, okay. Um, I don't know. I there thought. Are two of them, so one of the yeah, yeah, 
so he did he did a miracle he did say he's done several miracles on the sabbath depend on what gospel i was thinking it was a blind man but um anyway Lori can have a really fun time trying to edit all that out <laughs> we'll just say the miracle that he did on the sabbath um now look at this i i went back and i i know a lot of your bibles say man okay if you look back in John, uh, let, let's look back to John seven twenty two. Okay, and but I changed it because I wanted you to understand what Jesus is saying. You all may already get it. It took me several readings of it to think, and I don't use commentaries. Um, not that I'm, not that you should or shouldn't. I just don't. I'd rather just hear from the Holy Spirit, if possible. Um, For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. Okay, so circumcision is is given from God. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a baby boy. If a baby boy is eight days old on the Sabbath, that's the day of circumcision. That's the day that they were told to circumcise after eight days. It, it happened to be the day that, that you, you as a baby can actually clot, but only God knew that. And so God made it a, a, a rule through Moses, circumcised on the eighth day. So he's saying, if a baby is born and the eighth day happens to be a Sabbath, you go ahead and circumcise the baby. If a baby boy receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? I mean, Jesus is reasoning with them, but also convincing them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And, of course, we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but they are three in one. And you'll notice that, What Jesus does and what the Holy Spirit does is constantly convicts and convinces. I want you to interchange those words and and think about that a lot because Jesus and his disciples and then later Paul and his apostles, Jesus' apostles, and we are here to convince others of Christ's truth. By how we live, by what we say, um, it might convict them. And but if it is conviction from the Holy Spirit, there's a direction. Like, can I ask you a little bit more about what you're, you know, saying? If it's accusation, then then it's it's from the enemy. That's something that Elizabeth and I were talking about. Um, this weekend or whenever it was that we were talking <laughs> about the difference between accusation and conviction. I'm hoping to get one of my tapes made into a CD so we can actually make it into, because I have all these tapes from all the years that, that we did cassette tapes. But um, anyway, getting up, getting us off on a tangent. But he says here, and, and, and Jesus is so reasonable. I mean, sometimes people think, gosh, he's so high and mighty. How could they have understood what he was saying? They understood. We are of a different culture. So when we read, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man? We go, what? 
And we just kind of go right through it. But they knew exactly what he was saying. John seven twenty four. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So many of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? Look, he's speaking publicly and they're saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that this is the Christ. Do, the rulers do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? However, we know there is a man, where this man is from. But whenever the Christ might come, no one knows where he is from. And you could just see all these different voices. You know, sometimes we think it's just one voice saying all those things. I believe in my heart that those are different voices in the crowd. That's like the crowd saying all these different things. And then here's somebody that says, we know when the Christ, that no one will know where he's from. Well, in the prophecies, it said that he would be son of David from Bethlehem. (laughs) And so here's somebody shouting out even wrong information. That's why it's so important to take the Bible in its whole context because you can't even pull out one scripture and, and say, oh, there or there, that's truth, you know, because the Bible in its whole context makes sense and it makes sense so much culturally and that's what I want to learn a whole lot more about. John seven twenty eight. Then Jesus cried out in the temple teaching and saying, You both know me and know where I'm from. I have not come of myself, but who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I'm from him and he sent me. I, I just look at how many times Jesus said, He sent me. He sent me. He sent me. And he's trying to get their eyes open to your God that you profess to believe sent me. Yahweh sent me. I am the one one that you've been waiting for. And in John 7, 30, it says, So they were seeking to seize him, and no man laid his hand on him because his hour had not yet come. You know, that makes me so comfortable, too. Do you know that you're... Death, nothing can happen to you without God being there and, and allowing it. And we have, we have a heavenly father that protects us and angels that lifts us up. And he can do that same thing for even us that maybe there were times that we had near miss and don't even know about it. You know, maybe there's times that we've had a near miss of death and (laughs) we did know about it. Jesus' time hadn't come and so the crowds couldn't grab him. And it's just great to know, you know what? Nothing can harm me with God because my time is in his hands, literally. But neither can we speed things up. (laughs) I was talking to... Um, a friend this weekend, and um, I was saying that Mrs. Whitten had um, wanted so much Lacey's mother to uh, to go and to not be a burden, and she thought she was going to go away before she went. And well, we can't determine that either. And we can't speed God up, and we can't slow him down. And most of the time, we want to speed him up. And, you know, people say he's never late, but he's never early either. You know, he's on his own time, and we need to realize that in every part of our lives. And 
I was telling her, you know, um, she said, well, a lot of people are afraid to die, so I'm surprised. And I said, you know what? I'm a lot more fearful in the reverence kind of way to live than I am to die. You know, I want to live so much, so much, and you all do too, like God and following God and doing his will that there's more reverence, there's more fear in me to live than there is to die. I mean, to die would be the easy way out in a lot of ways because to be a Christian is to be like, I, I didn't understand this when Paul would say, you know, you're like lambs to the slaughter every day. And I didn't understand that because I was like, well, I don't, you know, that's not really happening over here. We're not really martyred over here in the United States, whereas in many other countries they are, and that makes more sense to them. But yes, you better be putting to death your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions to exchange for God's mind his will, and what he says is true. We're, we're being put to death daily. And it, it can hurt. I mean, it can hurt and be hard. And God's time is just not our time. And we just have to know that. So look at this. He got away from the crowd somehow through God, through angels. And John seven thirty one said, But many of the crowd believed in him. And they were saying, when the Christ comes, will he not perform more signs than these, which this man has, will he? There's just this huge crowd. Then the Pharisees, um, and those are the the Jewish teachers, heard um, the crowd muttering these things about him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. And Jesus said, for a little while longer, I'm with you. And then I go to him who sent me. Do you think it's by mistake that Jesus has said, sent me, I think, three times so far in just this little bit of reading? He keeps telling them, he sent me. Stop and think, what is the Messiah? The Messiah is going to be sent by God. I have been sent. I'm not, I didn't send myself. My words are not my words. Well, where did he get that exceptional um, learning of, of all of this scriptures? Because Jesus stops again and says, he sent me. I can't say anything and I don't want to say anything that he's not saying. And and Jesus is saying, I am sent. You will seek me and you will not find me. John 7, 34. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews then said to one another, where does this man intend to go that will not find him? Is he not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? I think that's kind of uh, ironic. <laughs> John seven thirty six. What is the statement that he said? You will seek me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Yes, Jesus was talking many, many, many times in future. And the people didn't get it. And we wouldn't have either understood all of that. I mean, we're on the other side of the cross understanding what he's saying. But he, he spoke many times in in ways that even his own disciples had to just go by faith. Think about how many times that Jesus' disciples, by what he did and what he said, how many times a day were they utterly confused? Okay, would that be easy? 
Sometimes I think, well, as a disciple of Jesus on this earth, if I had Jesus right there with me, it would not be just so hard. Well, we have better, we have the Holy Spirit who can be with all of us. But even as his disciples, the Bible will say things that we're scratching our heads like, I, don't, I, I can't really understand that or I don't really get that. And it just needs to be our complete honoring of God by saying, just God, you said it, I believe it, that's, that's it, you know, I agree with you, God. John seven thirty seven says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he's prophesying for his own disciples and future disciples so that they'll know to meet for Pentecost. I mean, Jesus is prophesying here of the Holy Spirit that will be given after he is glorified. John seven forty. some of the people thereafter, when they heard these words, were saying, this is certainly a prophet. Others were saying, this is the Christ. And still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? <laughs> so you just hear this whole crowd. And that's what, what's fun about when you really picture what's going on in the Bible and know that people are people. I mean... Yes, they are from a more Eastern culture. Yes, it was a completely different culture, but people are people. And you could have that same crowd of people today and have someone else say, this is the Christ, and somebody else be like, gosh, that person's crazy. And then we know that when he comes again, no one's going to be guessing because he's going to come through the skies, and he will be recognized by everyone. And so lest we never be confused by having someone say, I'm the Messiah, We'll know, everyone will know. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. So, anyway, John 7.42. Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Okay, and we know that that's where Jesus was born. In Bethlehem, didn't anyone ask him? No. And he is of the descendant of David through through Joseph, his father. His true father is God, but his earthly father. He went to Bethlehem as a descendant of David. And so that prophecy was fulfilled, but no one bothered to ask. So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. And some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. And... I think that that's really interesting that there's this huge crowd around Jesus and people want to seize him, but nobody can. How can that be possible? You know, it's not possible, but God had a timing for everything to happen. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees and they said to him, why did you not bring him? And the officers answered, never has a man spoken this way. This man speaks. And the Pharisees then said, you have also been led astray, have you not? Okay, so here's their, the Pharisees who have commanded their officers to bring him in. And they're like, why haven't you brought him in? And instead of saying, well, actually, we, we tried, but it was like 
he slipped through our hands, they don't want to get in trouble. They just say, you know, maybe he is who he is, and we don't know what, you know. And so the Pharisees say, have you been led astray? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. Isn't that ironic, too? This crowd that doesn't know the law is accursed. And so there's people in the crowd that don't know the law. There's people in the crowd that are depending on the Pharisees to teach them what truth is. And they're waiting to hear from them. And that's why it's so important for us to know the scripture and the Bible ourselves so that we don't need any man to say, oh, this is okay, that's not okay, or this is okay. That we know ourselves. Nicodemus, you remember him? Because we couldn't believe how much time that Jesus spent with Nicodemus. And he asked Jesus, how can a man be born again? And Jesus went into great detail with him. In John seven fifty, Nicodemus, who's one of the Pharisees, who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? And I believe with all my heart that Nicodemus is a believer, and he's trying to protect Jesus. They answered to him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see, no prophet arises out of Galilee. Everyone went to his home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Do you remember in the beginning of the, well, I think it was the beginning of John, there was a saying around that day that was just like, can anything good come out of Galilee? That was just a saying. And so they're kind of slapping his face. You're not from Galilee too, are you? But they do drop it. What he, has, what he has said is truth, and they know it's truth. Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing. They're telling the truth, and he gets a slap in the face, but they still go, each man, to his own home. John 8, 2. Early in the morning he came to the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach. Okay, so over the night, the Pharisees, whoever they were, scribes and Pharisees, maybe didn't go home and stay home. They went home, ate dinner, and then got back together because they needed a way to trap this guy. And so they thought of a wonderful way, and this is it. And this would trap just about anybody but Jesus. In John 8, 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, having set her in the center of the court. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, that may or may not even be true. Um, They may have just pulled a prostitute into the center and said, We saw her being caught in adultery, or a young woman, just, oh, we could sacrifice her for, you know, just to trap Jesus. And they said, now in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? And they were testing him, saying this, so that they might have grounds for accusing him, okay? And remember what we said earlier Satan's always the accuser. 
when you see something, somebody accusing someone before the Father, that's always originated from Satan. And so they're saying this to accuse Jesus, but we also know where the originator of the accusation comes from. And, and then I love this. Jesus takes his time. Like, I don't know how long he took, but I, I believe he was praying to the Father. Like, what do we do? Because the law does say that a woman caught in adultery should be stoned because that was such the way the law was. And at that time, before Jesus came to fulfill the law, forgive our sins so that we didn't have this stringent thing to obey, um, although that doesn't let up for us obeying what the law says. But we realize the law is our teacher to show us what we can't obey. I mean, try doing something that you are determined not to do, and you'll do it. You know, it's, it's, it's almost amazing. And so we have to have that power of the Holy Spirit to redirect us and help us and change us. But love the way Jesus took his time. And I think that this should be a lesson for us too. Sometimes when somebody says something, we think, you know, I really need to say something right away. Or I've lost my opportunity. Not really. But there's no time and space with God. I mean, could you not? If God told you to write them a letter later, could you not? If God told you to um, call them on the phone later, I mean, I love the way Jesus stooped down and his finger he wrote on the ground, so it looks like he's doodling. <laughs> I mean, they're in this huge thing that they've created, and there's this woman, no, no doubt, believing she's going to be stoned, and Jesus is doodling. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and he said, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And of course, that's the most God-sent thing to say because they each know that they have sin. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So he's going to give it some time. I love it the way that when Jesus says what God's words are, he doesn't come along with a whole bunch of other words behind him. He just lets them fall and fall where they may. And sometimes, too, we can be, all of us, um, more powerful in the less that we say. And Jesus, again, stooped and wrote on the ground, and when they heard it, they began now, this is what's interesting. When they heard it, it's almost like they hear it, but they didn't really hear it. And so that's why it's quiet. When they heard it, like, oh, wait, Jesus just said, if I don't have sin, I can throw the first stone. Well, they, of course, knew that they had sin. It's interesting, it says that the, with the older ones going first, because <laughs> the older you are, the more you can accumulate, right? When they heard it, they began to get out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone with the woman where she was in the center of the court. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. 
And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. So he's convincing her, sin no more. And he can see in her heart, whatever the sin may or may not have been, adultery. But he is talking to her uh, as someone that's not condemning her. And here's God saying, I don't condemn you. So we're seeing a picture of God. If we ever feel accused or condemned, we can know it's not God, it's Satan. If we feel convicted or convinced, we can know that that's the Holy Spirit because that's what he came to do, is to convince us, to convict us. That's what the Word does. Jesus again spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I love this because, you know, just in being at a Christian's funeral, which uh, a lot of us have been at quite a few lately, it truly is a celebration. It truly is a celebration of eternal life. And we're crying tears because we'll miss them, but... It's a celebration at the same time. I mean, I I honestly thought that if I could get away with it somehow and make make my children do it, that I would like to have mariachis at the church. You know, Ron, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Just, it's, it's bigger than fiesta. It's bigger than anything you could think of. It should be the most joyful time. And yet we need to have time for the family to grieve and for friends to grieve and there there is that order of things but what a great thing when when a believer dies they live forever we've already started on eternal life already think about that if you've received the lord as your lord and savior you already have started on eternal life right now John 8:13 so the Pharisees said to him you're testifying about yourself your testimony is not true And Jesus said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. And I love this to all believers. I know where I came from and where I'm going. That's what we can say. That's literally what we can say. And the world can't say that. The world, so many people are lost and trying to find themselves. We can say, I know where I came from. I was knit together in secret places and placed in my mother's womb, says Psalm 139. And I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with my Lord and Savior, with Jesus, with God, my Father, with the Holy Spirit forever one day. I'm not worried about this body Um, that I'm living in, you know, getting a little bit older. I'm not trying to have the perfect youth serum or, or, and I'm not worried about every little moment of my life or did I get it big or maybe I deserve more or I have entitlement for this life because this isn't it. This isn't it. This is just a little blip in the screen. And some people live like this is it i can't i can't get enough of the fun and i can't get enough of the money and i can't get enough of the or 
you know, I might as well be evil and I might as well be a dictator or I might as well, you know, or, you know, whatever is in man's heart. Our hearts are all evil without God. But when you get eternity in your heart, everything changes. When you really get it, when you really get eternity in your heart, everything changes. All of a sudden, it does not matter that your den only has sheetrock on it and it has been four years. You know? And, and I'm talking about in America, and of course I'm talking about my, my little story, but I didn't even notice after a while. People would come in and go, oh, what are you doing in your den? And I'd be like, oh, it's just sheetrock. Yeah, we just, we just have other things going on, and we did have much other things. And it just seemed like then I almost didn't want to finish it, I told Lacey, because it was such a reminder and a perfect picture to me of life. We've always got something we've got to do, and oh, I've got to do that, and I've got to sign up for that. And But there is also a reality of death, and for many of those places, um, there is a lot of fear because there is a fear of death. We need to have that eternity in our hearts. Eternity in your heart will take away all fear. You know, even when you walk through your house and you fear like, you know, like times in our lives, and I'll be very nonspecific, but that we go through just feeling a little bit darker or feeling a little bit um, like we need to put that praise music on and we need to put that CD on or we need to listen to that Christian radio or we need to open our Bibles and our houses seem a little darker or things are more difficult. Perhaps there isn't enough money. Perhaps there isn't. The future does not seem bright. I don't walk in my house and it is a wreck right now, a wreck of a wreck of a wreck. I mean, dishes piled and I want to go to the other members of the family. If you could just put it in the dishwasher, there wouldn't be so many for me to do. And then I do say that, but I might as well be talking to, you know, uh, my dog because they don't hear it and understand and so, you know, just little things instead of this morning, God was like, just be, can you be thankful that you have a house? Can you be thankful that you have this and have that and have this? And it's like once we start being thankful and once we, but how do we be thankful? You know, some people say, well, how can I just be thankful with all this hell going on around me on earth? Get eternity in your heart. Get eternity in your heart, and all of a sudden you'll realize, wow. I can't even grasp eternity, but I know it's going to be this perfect place with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit and those that have gone before us in his name. And getting eternity in our heart so often cannot just get us through the day, but get us to get others through the day. You know, we, we need to have that picture of it's not just getting myself through the day it's me helping get others through the day and other christians and other believers and encouraging them with psalms and songs of thanksgiving that's what we were told to do and so often we don't we don't we just forget and it's like that whole um 
little saying of, you know, when you have the best of intentions, but you didn't quite do it, but you had the best of intentions. It's like God is saying that too. Intentions don't matter. It's what you do. Intentions really don't matter. It's what you do. And I, I have been prompted to do so many weird things for Jesus that I have gotten to the point where I will just do them. I will write cards to people and drop it at their houses that I do not know that say specific verses about specific things about them. You know, of course, I'm like running to my car and hoping, no, I signed my name. I'm not trying to make them get weirded out. But, I mean, just having to say things to people, having to do things for people, um, pray things for people, um, even be a servant in any kind of a way for a person, those are, I can't do that unless I have eternity in my heart. Because if I don't, then I'm just too busy taking care of myself. I can barely get myself through the day, much less trying to uh, encourage someone else. Are you kidding? And I wanted to stop here. I wanted to stop here and have us really think about that. Do I have eternity in, in my heart? Is it in my heart? Is it? Do I know that I have eternity today, that I've already stepped into eternity i just haven't seen it yet see because i know where i'm from like the bible just said jesus just said i know where i'm from and i know where i'm going that's what gave him such boldness is because he said i know where i'm from and i know where i'm going and he told the people, you don't know where, you're, where I'm from and you don't know where I'm going. But we as believers can say as Jesus, I know where I'm from and I know where I'm going. And even in the midst of difficulty, he always is there to help. He is there to fulfill every name that he has given himself, every covenant name to be our provider and our, our healer and our helper and our comforter and everything that we need um, that is fulfilled in Jesus and we can call on him in those times of difficulty and trouble but also we need to have eternity in our hearts go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled Jesus-inspired real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give. Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.